Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. I can't think of many players in world football who can play three, four different roles and do so to such a, an elite capability as Gundogan. I think if Newcastle could turn back time and they knew that Barnes might be available in the summer, maybe they wouldn't have signed Anthony Gordon in January. This is what happens. This is the perfect example of just how important money is in the Premier League these days because if you don't spend any of it, then you're basically just guaranteed to get relegated. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and it's time for the Weekend Preview. I'm joined by George Ellick, Tim Spears and Bet365 Steve Freeth. As Man City look to tick off the first leg of their bid for a treble, we'll ask is anybody going to be able to stop them? Newcastle fly past the Seagulls and into pole position in the hunt for Champions League qualification with Leicester up next. And in the battle for survival, Big Sam takes Leeds back to see old friends at West Ham and he's very much in need of a favour to take it to the final day. That's all to come here on the Weekend Preview. Now, the title race could, of course, conclude this weekend. Manchester City could have already won the league by the time they take on Chelsea Sunday at four o'clock because Nottingham Forest play Arsenal Saturday tea time. As I've said, George, Manchester City can win the title this weekend, even without playing if Arsenal do contrive to lose at Nottingham Forest. And that would complete the first leg of a potential treble. Yeah, I think the treble's looking more and more likely, isn't it? Um, we saw City put in one of the best displays we've seen a team put in in the Champions League, or probably in any competition, really, um, in dispatching Real Madrid 4-0 in a display that kind of summarised their form over the last few months. City are a team who I think we've thought, or the general consensus have been, that despite their inability to win a Champions League, they've been consistently the best team in European football basically since Pep Guardiola came in um, without that prize at the end of it. It looks pretty likely they're going to get that now. And I think this iteration of Manchester City, the city that we're seeing right now, they're at the peak of their powers. Every single player you look across the park is playing their part. They have this unbelievable combination of technically gifted players, of players who are amongst the elite in their position for what they can do with the ball, whilst being just unbelievable physical specimens. You know, they are tall, they're powerful, they can dominate any physical battle. For Arsenal to, to push them as far as close as they have done, in my mind, is a massive achievement given where they've come from. Um, but it's a matter of time now until City win the Premier League again. They dismantled Real Madrid on Wednesday night, Steve. How hot are you now on them completing that treble? Well, very hot, Dan. They're only 18-1 to 1 in pre-season to win this treble, so it's hardly 
Leicester City winning the Premier League at five thousand to one. So, and they are what they were twelve to one in mid March. They were ten to one early April. They were six to five at the start of May, and they were they're eight to fifteen now to to join Manchester United on on the treble front. They're one to five now to win the Champions League with Inter at seven to two. Manchester City were a shade of odds on to beat Chelsea in the Champions League final in 90 minutes. They are 2-5 to five to win it in 90 minutes in Istanbul. Very, very strong favourites indeed. Probably the strongest ever. If I was Nathan Jones, I'd be putting myself forward for some consultancy work going into the into the next few weeks. I'll get in that gig, don't worry. Be all get, right. Yeah. Get, get, to think that it was his Southampton side who've been awful all season that have stopped them doing the quadruple is just quite frankly bordering on the, on the ridiculous. Tim, where will we consider this Man City side amongst Pep's kind of best sides? Because they're going to finish probably with lower points tally than, than other champions. But they just do seem that complete side just capable of winning by whatever means necessary? I'd agree. I guess that question can't be answered until the end of the season because, you know, the greatness of football teams is measured on trophies and if they only win the league... Uh, the, you know they won't be elevated above Pep's teams of the past. You know they've got to go on and and complete this, and certainly win the Champions League. And yeah, if they if they win the treble, then then yeah, they'll be the greatest Man City team of all time, and and certainly one of the greatest English teams of all time. I mean, the way that they've dismantled their rivals this season is you know brushing Arsenal aside, their closest challengers in the Premier League, and then dismantling Real Madrid in one of the most impressive performances in English football history. I think in Europe, you've got to say. But yeah, you you mentioned Nathan Jones. I mean, yeah, he's lost to Nathan Jones and Christian Stellini this season, two of the shortest-lived Premier League managers in history. It's just it's astonishing when you think about it. But this purple patch they're on is is the most purple patch you can sort of imagine, really. Twenty odd games without defeat, and um, yeah, it actually makes it less entertaining because it's just so easy for them. I mean, I I, I turned over to the playoffs in in the week to watch um, the end of um, Middlesbrough Coventry. Tim, you know, because, you know these yeah, days that, you can that, have two screens. It's unbelievable. You, you, get, you get your iPad out, you get the TV on. I don't know. I don't know whether it's a Midlands thing. I can't, I can't do that. I don't. I don't like having the two screens. I can only focus on one at one at a time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how the like the match of the day guys. I don't know how they do it. Sort of watches six, seven games at once. Try doing the EFL show sure where you've got about ninety. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, I, d- I, d- I didn't have the split screen option, but yeah, I, I chose the playoffs because that, that, that's how, that's my biggest compliment to City is that, is that they made the Champions League semi-final look so easy that it was boring. That says everything about how good this Manchester City team is. And when, and when they've needed to, because they have needed to because of Arsenal in the Premier League, they have just gone on this un- unstoppable run. And that, yeah, that, they're incredible and they were incredible the other night. George, a word for Ilkay Gundogan, who as captain has come to the fore in recent weeks, really leading the way. But he could be leaving Manchester City, could be his final year. Surely they're going to sort that out. I know a team always needs an evolution and a rebuild, but he's still a massive part of everything good they do. It, it seems like City want to keep him, um, but the, the wrangling is around how long the deal would be, where, where Gundogan wants a, a two-year deal for, for security. City only looking to offer offer one is kind of the report. So it wouldn't surprise me, given the, the vein of form that he's in, if there was some kind of a compromise was reached, because he, he is absolutely unbelievable. I was talking about it with some friends earlier this week around, you know, who if you take out uh, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, and Erling Haaland, who he says is the best City player. And even though Gundogan may not do, he's not even necessarily the most consistent starter. I can't think of many players in world football who can play three, four different roles and do so to such an elite capability as Gundogan. He is incredibly 
efficient and it's kind of his natural role is to play as that deepest holding midfielder kind of the Jorginho role ticking things over being a player that gets on the ball a lot he's now made this kind of hybrid eight role on the left hand side um, his own because of Rodri's um, prominence he can also play as a false nine as we've seen him play before he can play almost as a ten and in all of them, he is, he's, he's exceptional. There are very, very few... He's, he's a special player. There are very few players that can do what he does uh, and have the range of capabilities that he has. And even though he's obviously in the twilight of his career, there's no sign to me that he's waning as a footballer at all. Um, not that surprising, I guess, that we're seeing Barcelona link with him. I think we could... If he did go to Barcelona, I think we'd see him play the kind of role that the manager, Xavi, played to Barcelona, where he would go back to being that metronome in the middle of the park where everything goes through him, which he'd be brilliant at. Not a surprise to see Arsenal link with him, given um, Arsenal's shopping in Manchester last summer um, took them from being uh, a disappointing side on the periphery of the uh, of the top four to suddenly being a title challenger in, in Zinchenko and Jesus. But I think when, when they look at this, and they look at the team at the moment and what Gundogan brings... Um, to City, I'd be very, very surprised if they let him walk away because of an extra year um, for a player who's, who's done so much and is playing so well. Steve, what are the odds on Gundogan's next club? Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, like George says there, just a you know, respected by the squad. And he has been pretty unsung until the last couple of weeks where he's get, been getting a load of love, is, uh, hasn't he? Uh, particularly with the goals he's been scoring as well. And it's an interesting market. It looks a two-horse race with with five to six Barcelona and eleven to ten Manchester City. I am favourite that he goes to Barcelona. I'd imagine that he's had a pretty quite quite a few talks with Barcelona, um, and their you know contract talks might have been caught the way down the line. However, there's been a few changes behind the scenes recruitment wise, hasn't there at, at Barcelona? Wasn't one guy going to Villa? Dan, was that right? Was he? I think, I think he's visited Bur- Birmingham and changed his mind. <laughs> Change his mind, yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see there. But it's five to six bars, so eleven to ten Manchester City, and there has been a little bit of money for uh, for Arsenal, as, as George has mentioned, into into eight to one. And of course, Mikel Arteta would know plenty about Gundogan. It will be five titles in six seasons, Tim, and three in a row when City confirm him. Is anyone going to be able to stop them in seasons to come? I know football cyclical and things can always take you by surprise, but it does feel like at the moment, and we said this last week, I think that there's now a a big one and then there's probably six or seven or eight other teams that could, could finish ahead of each other. But City are far and away the most elite side in the Premier League now. Yeah, I don't feel like anyone can stop them, if you know what I mean. I think it'll have to be their cycle coming to an end. I don't, You know, we've seen the greatest Liverpool team for decades. And one of the one of the best teams we've seen in Europe for decades, unable to topple their crown other than that one title, the financial might and wealth of the rest of the Premier League. You know, no one no one's really consistently, I guess, come close apart from that Liverpool team. So, I feel like nobody can catch them and overhaul them. I, it's going to have to be the end of their era, which comes with Pep leaving, whenever that happens. You know, he's already stuck around for a lot longer than people would have predicted, though. Yeah, he really has, actually. Yeah, yeah, pr- probably double the length that most people would have predicted. So he, he's the obvious answer because he, apart from Sir Alex, I think he's probably the, the greatest manager we've seen in the Premier League. And and even if he doesn't reach Fergie's, what was it, thirteen titles? I, I, you know, I think if he sticks around another two or three years and wins and wins, continues to win trophies, he'll be regarded as probably the best manager in the Premier League era. So him leaving is the obvious answer. You know, the financial investigation could stop them you know we have to say that and it's important not to lose sight of that there are 115 charges leveled at them uh by the premier league so um i think as my colleague adam crafton pointed out or or and other people have suggested that's helped sort of create a 
the real siege mentality. I mean, since those charges were announced, they haven't lost a football match. And I was at the Etihad in January when Pep, which I think, I don't know, it's been, had been forgotten by a few people, but he had an extraordinary rant about how awful his club was and, uh, how it was, it was, uh, that they'd come from 2 0 down to beat Spurs 4 2. And it really looked like it was Arsenal's title at the time. And he slated the club. I remember him saying, the whole place has got no passion, no desire. He said, the fire's gone out at this club. And he said, it was Happy Flowers team. And he said, the, the fans are as bad as the team. He said, you know, they're so quiet. There's no passion. There's no desire. It's hard to imagine that now. Four months later, we're talking about one of the greatest teams in, in modern era and maybe of all time. So yeah, he's, I think that combined with the charges that have been aimed at them as, as, and he's created this sort of siege mentality, which has led to this astonishing momentum and level of performance that, that we see now. Very Fergie-like, using the media as, as, as a tool to get to people and, and reignite some passion, and he, he certainly did it. George, what about Arsenal then? They led for so long, but eventually when the injuries hit, they didn't have the depth required. But you know they've come close with City this this season. They've they've taken them virtually all the way, which is no mean feat for such a young side who are inexperienced in the title race as well. Yeah, the, the narrative around team seasons always come rather than where they end up or how they got there. And you know if you turned Arsenal season on its head and they started off a little bit inconsistently and then went on an incredible winning run to currently be four points off Manchester City, I think Mikel Arteta would probably win manager of the season and they'd, they'd be getting every plaudit going. Because expectations were, were were risen after that amazing start, because they went heavily odds on to win the Premier League, you're now having certain people pointing them and saying that they bottled it, which is obviously just a total nonsense. Um, they've had an unbelievable season and I think they are really well set now um, to, you know, with, with a squad that is mainly made up of players who are in their early to mid 20s, with a manager who um, looks to be improving season on season and in my mind, at least, is almost unrecognisable tactically from where he was when, when he first took the job. Um, this will be seen as a, as a huge stepping stone for them. The issue that they've maybe got is that Liverpool had a very off-season this season. You've got to anticipate that they're going to bounce back to some respect. I think Manchester United are quite clearly upwardly mobile. Newcastle are going to be a different beast yet again next season. I personally don't see any reason why Brighton won't be fully in the mix for for the top four next season if um, you know, if Deserby stays they manage to retain key players Tottenham hopefully will be getting a new manager and you can't imagine they'll have as, as poor a season next campaign as they, as they had previously Chelsea getting Rizzo Pochettino and like, you know it, it feels to me like this was maybe a season where if you t- Villa as well Villa will be there yeah Villa will be in the Premier League <laughs> It does feel like this is a season where, you know, they're, they're, yes, they're going to finish four, five, six points off off the winners come the end of the season. But the the quality or the the relentlessness of the Premier League seems to have dropped off a little bit with some of those teams. You can be pretty con- pretty convinced, you know, Chelsea would have been odds, odds on for a top four finish. United wouldn't been far away. You know, Spurs who would have been two, all having fairly poor seasons. Uh, it does feel like it might be tougher next season. But Arsenal back in the Champions League. That will help them in terms of the business they do this summer um, and a squad who are continually improving. It's been a, an unbelievable season and just because the way that it's slightly unravelled shouldn't shouldn't take away from from when you see how much they've improved from, from last year into this. Yeah, I completely agree with you and Tim. This is just the start for Arsenal with the crop they've got. You know, we're talking about Pep and, and building a team. Arsenal have got young players that will be at this club for a long time and in 
three, four years, five years, well, those players will have more experience and they'll be a big part of what will hopefully be a really strong Arsenal side. They'll get to build. They've got, they're have got in the Champions League maybe ahead of the time they expected, which opens up a, a different kind of market for them. And they're, they're tying up players that are already there. Aaron Ramsdale is the latest player to sign a new contract. Jordan Campbell's been writing for The Athletic about the work Arsenal are doing with contracts. But... Just because the season's not ended as they want, there's still a lot to be positive about for Arsenal with these players that were already there. Yeah, it is. Well, the, well, the start was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? I mean, they're building towards something. What what that is, I don't know. And I guess I'd be interested to, to know what what they aim to do in the next sort of two, three years because they are way ahead of schedule. I mean, they've, they've finished eighth, eighth and fifth in the last three seasons. You know, this title, title challenge wasn't supposed to happen yet. George is absolutely right to point out that the inadequacies of teams around them ha- has helped. You can't deny that. And the randomness of, of a World Cup year as well, I think, has probably played a part. But yeah, their target for 23-24 will be fascinating internally. You know, is is it a title challenge? Is it quarterfinals, semifinals, Champions League? Is it a domestic cup? Because it will be, it will be a lot tougher, not just because Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle, maybe Spurs will get stronger. But also, you you kind of wonder is is this the is this the very best we've seen from this team? Is there more to come from this team? Are they playing at their maximum this year? I think there's a question to say that they are, and recruitment is going to be all important this season. And we know we know we've seen it time and again. If you if you get an average summer of recruitment, it can really set you back because the stakes are so high, and and your rivals are going to spend so much money. So I don't want to be all sort of you know doom and gloom. I just I just think that I just think there's a very real possibility that that they can go backwards next season um, without doing too much wrong. So that recruitment's going to be key. Keeping Arteta's going to be key. And uh, a good start next season will be key because a massive part of their success has been generating that momentum and the feel-good factor at the club, which we saw at the tail end of last season when they had a huge standard ovation despite not qualifying for Champions League. You know, there's a real feeling that something was about to happen. But if they start the season... Uh, slowly, we've seen in the past that, that that crowd can be indifferent and start going home after 50 minutes. So, yeah, things like it's just going to be important to try and keep the momentum going, and that comes first and foremost with summer recruitment. Arteta's amongst the six-man shortlist for Premier League Manager of the Season, Steve. How's that market looking? Justice for Gary O'Neill, by the way. And Thomas yeah. Frank. <clears throat> I think that, yeah, I, yeah, there are going to be a few managers or a few you know, fans of football teams that their managers aren't in. They can only pick six. You could probably make an argue for... For the like of Frank, uh, Gary O'Neill, Ten Hag as well, you know, for, for what he's done, the way he's turned uh, Manchester United round. But it's it's Pep Guardiola that's the very warm favourite at, at four to eleven. You tend to win this if you've um, if you won the the league title. Klopp won it last year without winning it. He, he took Pep very close, didn't he? Going toe to toe to the final game, and there was one other manager on a par with Pep and Klopp that won it in twenty fourteen. Uh, without winning the league, that's Tony Pulis, of course. He won it then. Um, but uh, Arteta is his second favourite, six to one, the same price as Eddie Howe. Uh, Deserby is at twelve. Your guy Dan Emery is at thirty-three. With Silver at fifty, so it's very much a Pep Guardiola uh, dominated market. And just like the title race for next season, Manchester City are four to six. We have them to to win the title yet again. It looks like a, a one-horse race. Would you believe that Liverpool were two to one? At the start of last season, they're now the same price as Manchester United to win it next season at, uh, at eight to one. United were thirty-three to one, by the way, to win the title last season. So um, Arsenal, we have as as, as second favourites uh, at seven to one. 
they were a huge price, as George alluded to earlier. They were 66 to 1 at the start of last season, so that's a massive shift in price. God knows what Chelsea side will be going to get. They're 12 to 1. Same with Newcastle, really, the players that they can bring in. That 14 to 1 could be single figures by the time the first ball is kicked. And then we have Spurs at, at 40s, who were, who were third favourites last season, but seventh in the betting now, and probably on a par with Brighton in the outright market. And for those playing along at home, you get your Steve Freeth bingo cards out. Tony Pulis was mentioned there with, with Johnny Evans and <laughs> Aston Villa 1982, sure to come at some point in the show. I, and uh, uh, the, 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 the custard bowl will come up at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan, is that not recency bias? Come on. Oh, you those things those things come up every week in, in the podcast. And next, we're going to look at the relegation scrap as Leicester sink closer to the championship. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're going to look at the relegation scrap now. Everton are away to Wolves Saturday at 3 o'clock. Forest, as we've mentioned, at home to Arsenal Saturday tea time. And then on Sunday, Leeds are at West Ham and Leicester visit Newcastle. George, Southampton gone last week, so that's two from four left to go. How do you see it playing out? Uh, the odds at the moment with Bet365 have Leicester at eight on, basically suggesting they're, they're all but down. And I think that's fair. Um, a brief improvement of performances under Dean Smith um, was brief. And now they look like a, a fairly poor side again, defensively just atrocious. And it would take an almighty turnaround from here for them to to stay up. Um, the performances would have to improve no end. Leeds are the interesting one, where they're, they are the favourites to join Leicester and Southampton to get relegated. But I definitely think that we've seen an improvement in terms of what they have done under Agreed. under Big Sam. Yes, they're conceding penalties and, and, and a couple of goals, but in terms of what they're creating, and I was really impressed in, the, in, that, in that last game against Newcastle, how they they took the game to Newcastle, which was something we hadn't really seen. You know, when, when we think back to, to Allardyce's time at, at West Brom, they were incredibly passive, like unbelievably stale, sat, sat really deep. And that's what we saw them doing against Man City. And I thought it would be the same. But against Newcastle, they really took the game to Newcastle. Uh, you know, personally, if I could choose one Premier League striker to take a penalty to save my life, I think Patrick Bamford would be fairly near the bottom of the list. I mean, he's got a lot of great attributes, but yeah, I don't think he's necessarily the guy you want to be taking a penalty to kind of decide your Premier League future. And that miss does look huge um, at this stage. But they... I've got two games left, both against London sides, a trip to West Ham where, let's be honest here, West Ham have got a, a European final coming up fairly soon and a safe. Like, mm. this is not a big game for West Ham whatsoever. It's kind of the perfect opponent in my mind um, for them to go and play against. And then a home against Spurs, a Spurs team who are kind of wafting their way into, into the summer um, with Ryan Mason in charge who, uh, you know, Allardyce versus Mason in the dugout, I know who I would expect to come out on top there. So... Yeah, they've got a bit of a gap to make up, but I think Leeds definitely have it in them to get four points, maybe even six points from those games in order to get to, to blast their way out. And then it comes down to to, to Forest and, and Everton, um, who sit Everton sit one place above above uh, Leeds, Forest three spots above them. So, you know, I would say now 
my prediction is it's that the Leeds will get out of it and one of Everton or, or Forest will get relegated. Given how well Everton are playing at the moment, do Forest have it about them to get the necessary points to to, to get themselves safe? I'm not sure they do. Interesting because unbeaten in a couple, well, they've had a couple of good results recently. Tim Leicester were beaten by Liverpool last Monday and now face a trip to Newcastle this Monday night. It's looking increasingly likely that they're going to go down. Yeah. Possibly this weekend. Uh, it goes without saying that they're relying on other teams now. Obviously, if Forest beat Arsenal and Everton win at Wolves, then yeah, they need to win at Newcastle. No, not just draw, or they're down. And Newcastle is still going for Champions League. One more win needed for them. You know, we saw last night at St James's. I don't know. You can't. You can't imagine Leicester going to St James's with that atmosphere and that juggernaut that they're that they're that they'd be facing and coming away with anything. It's really hard to imagine. So yeah, it's it's utterly desperate situation for Leicester. I, George mentioned West Ham there. I do think if if they can somehow get through this weekend unrelegated, that's a word I've made up, then they'll have West Ham at home on the last day and West Ham will have a European final 10 days later. So not, they're not going to be risking anybody in that last game of the season, West Ham. So if Leicester can somehow get through to the last game, then they'll, they'll, they'll feel they have a chance. But... Yeah, as George has said, you know, Leeds have improved. Everton have improved recently. Forest have earned points when they've had to. Leicester have just done none of the above. And I, I feel desperately sad for them. I think it's a, I think it'd be a real, real tragedy if they go down. It's a really great club, great set of fans. People like Jamie Vardy, it'd be an awful way for him to sort of end his Leicester career. But if he stands still in the Premier League, you move backwards. And, you know, you talk of having to spend 100 million to keep pace these days in the Premier League. And, and yeah. They did absolutely nothing. They did not they did nothing in transfer market last summer. So this is what happens. This is the perfect example of just how important money is in the Premier League these days because if you don't spend any of it, then you're basically just guaranteed to get relegated. I mean, I did Brendan Rodgers' last press conference before he got the sack for Sky and I'd never been to Leicester before. Their training ground is out of mm. this world. The money they've spent on that training ground to, to have done all that, the infrastructure they've got there now. It's got some good players as well. To think that they'll be a championship side with all probability next season, I can't believe it. Although, I say I can't believe it. I remember at the start of the season when we all said a lot of nonsense in that first show that we did. I said something about Leicester going down and I had Leicester fans really having a go at me on Twitter. Like what I was saying was beyond the realms of possibility that they'd be in a relegation dogfight. But it's it's what's happened. I think, would they have been better off holding on to Rodgers? Possibly, it's, it's easy to say that with, with hindsight, but they needed to do more in the in the summer. That they lost a lot, a bit of not feel good, but they they lost the chance of doing something in the summer. It all felt very stale, and if they were going to get rid of Rogers, do it at the start of the season. Don't do it when when they did it when there's no time for recovery and they lost games. Then with a the, with a caretaker manager, I think if you're looking at a team going down because of bad decisions through a season. That sometimes happens. I think that this time that that's Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, definitely from 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 top to bottom. Uh, you're right about the the Rogers second. It was just, it was more that they just didn't have a plan. You know, they, they had Mike Stowell in charge for two for two must win games, and they lost them both. And that's that's they've been playing catch up ever since. That's it's really cost them. I, I I do think they'd be very. As Steve might know the odds, but they'd be very strong favourites to come back up, wouldn't they? I think would you mentioned you know the structure and the resources they've got there. Quite like players like Apple or Google, I would say. You walk in it's there, it's insane. ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, they'll be able to. They'll be able to attract players. They'll be able to keep a decent amount of their players. Obviously, Madison and Barnes would go. Vardy's at the end of his career. Um, that face might go as well. Johnny Evans at the end of his career. But still, there's there's a lot of good players that I, ding, I do ding, think ding, they ding, ding, and it wasn't Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 
Steve. Uh, I'm interested by this. Ma- Madison and Barnes's next clubs, Tillemans as well. Yeah, I mean Leicester would be at five to one. I think on the outright, I think it'd be quite competitive if you know you know there's leads down there as well. Southampton would be double the price. But as regards to players-wise, we, we have got a, a market on where James Madison will be next season, and I, I see both Harvey Barnes and Madison have been linked with Newcastle, so it might be a good audition for them this week to put on a bit of a. Uh, a bit of a show when they go up to up to Tyneside, but just quickly about Harvey Barnes. He scored twelve goals this season. It's, inc- it's, it's yeah, his numbers it's, are really it's, good. It's, yeah, from an XG of, of eight. Like I mentioned before, I backed him to be the leading assist maker in the Premier League this season. He's definitely not going to be that, but he's got a a great goals return. And just Leicester as a whole, just briefly, we talked about Tillemans. Just I was watching the Liverpool game, just waving his arms in the air, pointing at everybody else, blaming everybody else bar himself during that during that game. It's quite surprised me. It just looks like maybe Foxes do quit and 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 they are down, like George mentioned earlier. They are one to eight to to be relegated. But as regards to James Madison, he's fifteen to eight favourite to sign for Newcastle. So we'll see what happens this weekend. One hundred and thirty. For Spurs, he's eleven to two to stay at Leicester, which might be on the short side. Eight to one Liverpool and Manchester United. And Dan, he's sixteen to one to join the Villa. Any thoughts on that? He's a Coventry boy, isn't he? So he, I don't think he's a massive fan of Aston Villa, but I wouldn't say no to him coming into that team. Madison's one of my my favourite players in the Premier League. Barnes is the one I can't work out because I think he's a really, really good player. Newcastle, I think if Newcastle could turn back time and they knew that Barnes might be available in the summer, maybe they wouldn't have signed Anthony Gordon in January because I, I think that kind of has taken his, his slot, hasn't it? So I don't, I don't see where Barnes is, is going to end. I don't see an obvious place for him to end up, even though he's a brilliant player. No, good point. Now, you did all have a question about Leeds, but George covered that in his in his spell at the, <laughs> at the start of the show, so I don't need to ask any of you about Leeds now, but... I will ask George about the playoffs quickly because Luton and Coventry, one of those sides, is going to be in the Premier League next season. I mean, again, I use the word sensational. What a story it would be for either of them to be in the Premier League. Yeah, it's incredible when you consider where both have come from. Luton were a National League side 10 years ago, um, have, have risen the ranks. Uh, Peli Radikampanzu, their centre midfielder who played all 90 minutes in the second leg. Uh, it is incredible what they've done, I think, you know, Nathan Jones was part of the team that, that managed to get them from League Two up to the Championship and, you know, into the playoff semi-finals last season. Um, to lose to lose him, bring in Rob Edwards, who, of course, was sat from their rivals down the road earlier in the season. And, you know, he's taken them to another level again, finishing third. What with a great appointment that was. Unbelievable appointment. And, and, you know, it couldn't really be sweeter, can it, than appointing a guy who was hired and fired by your your rivals who then go on and have an unbelievably poor season. He's now then your man who's going to lead you to the Premier League. It's an incredible story. And they are just a club who, unlike maybe Coventry, where, where Mark Robbins has had to be more of a one-man band, although you know there, has, there was Chris Badlam was, was in charge of recruitment there for a while and, and did very well. Luton are just so well run in every facet of, of the club. The same can't necessarily be said of Coventry. And there have been massive issues at Coventry throughout Mark Robbins' tenure, but he took over just when they were relegated to League Two. Um, and he's taken them from League Two through to League One into the Championship and now on the brink of the Premier League. And this has all been done under owners in Sisu who were not popular at all with the fan base, who saw them homeless for, for seasons 
uh, ground sharing with, with Northampton, ground sharing with with Birmingham. Doug King, a local businessman, came in and bought the club halfway through this season. Um, managed to to get Mark Robbins on a new long term contract last week. Um, finally, Robbins has the infrastructure around him in order to enable this football club to perform, but he hasn't needed it. I, I genuinely think if Mark Robbins can get commentary into the Premier League at Wembley uh, next weekend, that will rank up there with. Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger in terms of transformative job as one man has done at a football club it is I'm not suggesting by any stretch that he he's is, been there how, how, long has he, how long has he been there is, he's been there a long this time this is his second spell no, it's, it's only been six, oh, seven years yeah, God yeah yeah. so it's it's not even that you know he, he took over a club that was a total mess on and off the pitch it was still a mess off the pitch even when he turned it into turned him into an effective force on the pitch he doesn't get enough plaudits I don't know what it is about him as a if he's an unfashionable bloke or whatever, but I can't see him ever getting a Premier League job unless he takes Coventry up. But he's on the brink of doing it, and they play some great stuff. Brilliant players and Gustavo Harmer, who is a who is a Premier League central midfielder. Victor Jokeres, who is a Premier League striker. Callum O'Hare has been injured all season, but he's another player that I love. Yeah, it's 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 the Romantics final, and I can't wait for it. Two clubs who deserve everything good that's coming to them. How short would the playoff winner be for relegation, Steve? Shortest ever. Uh, one to four, they'll be around if they got relegated. Uh, sorry, yeah, if they, if, if, if either side really got promoted. Luton are marginal favourites to to go up. Of course, Sheffield United, when they got promoted a few years ago, people were writing them off because they finished with a top-half finish. So I'm not expecting uh, any of that from, from Luton or Coventry. And it's, it's it feels a bit harsh talking about them being relegated straight away when they've got to a, a final and... and a fairy tale story for for both of the clubs. I'll be there actually next Saturday. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'll be cheering on, cheering on the Sky Blues, and inevitably we'll have requests for them to get less points than than Derby County from from all those years ago. Um, so which is a little bit unfair as well. But uh, hopefully that they get promoted. Whoever gets promoted will will stay in the division because it's such a great story. We'll finish this part then with the trivia, as always, even if it's nobody that listens' favourite part of the show. It's (laughs) our favourite part of the show. Since the Premier League moved to 38-game seasons, seven players prior to Erling Haaland have won the Golden Boot with 30 goals or more. Who are they? So that takes away Andy Cole, which would have been my my first answer because that wasn't a 38-game season. Harry Kane, then. Harry Kane. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I What's know wrong? Sergio Aguero. I'm not good enough. I know that. Aguero. So we've got off to a flyer wow. here. Okay. I mean. So so we'll we'll go with Mo Salah to get one right because Salah's definitely. It's so nice. Salah. It's so nice. Okay. And Suarez well definitely Suarez. It's so nice. It's so nice. So Suarez Salah. I've got to admit, I would have said Kane and Aguero in incomplete honesty. <laughs> good. Thanks for not throwing us under um, the bus there. That's kind of you. Um. Ronaldo must have. Ronaldo must have. Yeah. It's so nice. It's so nice. What <laughs> um, about Thierry? No. I Thierry. wanted to say it on Ray, but I don't, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it, but I don't think I don't think that's right. I don't think he'd have scored over 30. Who? On Ray. Yeah, we'll go with it. No. Go with it. No, no, I don't think he would. It's so okay. nice. It's so nice. Oh, that's right. No, that's right. That's okay. Shearer? It's so nice. It's so nice. This isn't my answer. I'm just discussing with my team. Would Torres have done it? No. Liverpool? No, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Is it someone like Berbatov or something like that? Did he have a ridiculous score? I don't no. think he got 30, though. No, okay, we won't say that. Uh, Rooney had that ridiculous season Rooney. where he scored header after mm. header. Did he, did he get... Oh, again, I, I don't he think he'd have got 30. No. Uh, what about, what about uh, Van Nistelrooy? Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd go with yeah. that. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I know oh, no. no. Chelsea, when they were winning the league, 
did I have a 30 Drogba. goal? Did Drogba get anywhere near? I don't know whether he did. I don't, again, I don't remember him scoring 30. But then two players who I would have put my life on having scored 30 at the start. He might didn't. have done. Like, he was unbelievably prolific for, what, two seasons, wasn't he? Um, I don't know if he got 30, though. Um, my mind's blown that Kane and Aguero are both wrong. Yeah. Van Persie. It's so nice. It's so nice. Ooh, yeah, nice. well done, Steve. One more. Oh, come on. I'm going to kick myself here. It's the kind of thing you should get. It's like... Not Kevin Phillips, is it? No. With that... That's a decent shout. Go on, we'll, we'll go with that. It's so nice, it's so nice. Well done, what Steve. Shout, Kevin, Steve. Kevin Steve Phillips, Bruce. unbelievable right. shout. Love it. Wow. That was hard. That was harder than I thought it was going to be. Especially I really when you thought, get the first two oh, wrong. We'll get, oh, but I would have said those two at the start were absolute bankers. Mm. I, can't even have, I can't even have a go at, at you for guessing those because I would, I would have said them if I was playing on my own. So just to, just to go through it, the answers there were Alan Shearer, Kevin Phillips, Thierry Henry, Cristiano Ronaldo, Robin Van Persie, Luis Suarez and Mohamed Salah. It's so nice, it's so nice. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Final part, we're going to look at the top four chase with Bournemouth taking on Manchester United and Liverpool playing Villa. They're both at Saturday at three o'clock and then Newcastle v Leicester, which is Monday. Steve, Newcastle, one win away from securing Champions League qualification after their emphatic 4-1 win over Brighton. What are the odds for the top four looking like now? Yeah, looking like very strong for Newcastle, down 1-20 to now. They were they had been 2-7, to actually, so it was a much-needed win. They were well back last night. I think there was a few surprises on the Brighton team selection. So, 69 points, 67 goals. Wilson can't stop scoring. No, he's not, in my, fan, he's my, not in my fantasy team, Isaac is, so that's just typical. Uh, and Manje- I had Joel Linton as captain, Steve, so I wouldn't get too upset about yours. I can beat that. I had, I had Willock. Who okay. <laughs> went off injured after 59. Uh, yeah, so uh, and Manchester United at 1-5 to looks strong with the games that they have left. Bournemouth, Chelsea, Fulham. Uh, just a quick mention on on, on Brighton, who are 1-6 who are to now to finish in the top six with Spurs at 5 and Villa at 16. 
Tim Callum Wilson, 11 goals since the start of April. That's now on to 18 for the season. He scored every 100 minutes played this season. That's a pretty decent record. That's, that's, do you know, that's what that's what he does though in his career. If if he avoids injuries, that's what he tends to do. I mean, this, this is a guy who scored one in two for Bournemouth in 2018-19. And since he joined Newcastle, his numbers have been good. You know, 12, 12 in 26. Eight in eighteen, and now eighteen in twenty-nine. You know, it's 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 almost one one in two or thereabouts um, when he's fit. So I think he's an underrated striker because um, because of those injuries. I mean, he's only scored one hundred and thirty goals in his whole career. He's thirty-one because of those injuries. So yeah, if if you can keep Callum Wilson fit for a full season next season, you'd expect him to to near the twenty-goal mark. You know, that's how good he is. So yeah, massive win for Newcastle. I was reading Dan Burns' comments this morning, which were really interesting, basically saying how in the huddle before the game against Brighton, they were kind of speaking about how it's them against the world and uh, nobody wants them to qualify for top four, which I thought was interesting because I don't don't feel that way. He He says people have got a chip on their shoulder about Newcastle. And yeah, they probably have in terms of the ownership, and but that hasn't really come up a huge amount this season because they haven't spent you know, Man City or Chelsea style money yet. You know, they've, I think everyone's been really impressed with how they haven't spent the huge mm. amount of money. And yes, the wages are ridiculous, but still, I, I, I don't, I don't detect that. I don't detect a huge amount of jealousy. I think people are actually quite pleased with them after the horrendous Mike Ashley area that era that, um, that they're having a good season. So, but it's clearly something that's worked for Newcastle. Um, if they fostered that us against the world mentality, which it sounds like they have, um, even though it's predicated on lies. Um, uh, yeah, fair play to them. And yeah, massive win last night. So yeah, they should be only only one more win for them now for top four. How do you have time to read anything before this podcast? We, we start recording at <laughs> half past eight, Tim. I, I barely have time to do anything before we record the pod. George, Liverpool's run of form now is seven wins in a row. We've spoken about Trent Alexander-Arnold and Curtis Jones in recent weeks, but are Villa going to provide the biggest threat to this seven-game winning run? Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, Villa obviously playing so well at the moment and have massive belief going into every game they can beat anybody um but I, I do think Liverpool are looking kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a different animal right now um it's interesting to note that despite playing very well their, their 3-0 win over over Leicester was their first win they'd won their last five games by a solitary goal and I always think with basically after the 6-1 win over over Leeds the next yeah the next five were all by a solitary goal and when you're looking for kind of sustainable runs of form, you probably want a team to be uh, really pressing home their advantage significantly in order for that to be sustainable. So slight alarm bells there. Um, and yeah, Villa obviously under Emery playing exceptionally. So this probably will be their sternest test. Um, it should be a great game. I think both teams brilliant to watch right now. And um, yeah, as a Villa fan, Dan, I'm sure you're, you're, you fancy your chances of, of taking something off Liverpool. And also the nightmare for Liverpool. Liverpool fans very frustrated yesterday with... Deserby yeah. rotating, um, which which does really does uh, some significant damage to their top four hopes. I think this is the hardest game in in their recent run with no bias whatsoever because Villa have something to play for. Villa are still pushing to try and get into into Europe and the, and the fan base and the club really really want that. Tim Liverpool did confirm this week that James Milner, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, and Naby Keita will all join Roberto Firmino in leaving the club in the summer. The Liverpool fans continuously sang Firmino's song at the King Power on Monday. Has he received the wider praise he's deserved throughout his Liverpool or even his Premier League career? He's he's been a great operator. 
Yeah, he um, he probably has, but he's probably been in the shadow of Mo Salah, I think. Um, Which I think actually is fair because Salah's been ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of Firmino, I mean, he's he's helped redefine that false nine role and, you know, the mentality monsters and everything. It all started with, with him and wouldn't have happened without him um, if he didn't press like that, combined with his sort of technical ability on and off the ball, uh, his intelligence, his movement, creating space for himself, but creating space for teammates, for Salah and, and Mane, you know, plus the goals, plus the assists, and comes across like a really nice guy. So, yeah, um, a Liverpool legend, I guess. He's got a great song, which is always in my head, albeit the, the Raul Jimenez version. But, yeah, I guess Salah will always be the legend of those three. But Firmino and Mane are probably on a, a similar footing for me. And as a, as a trio, Dan, you know, probably... I mean, best Lauren Chartner, the sort of ones that come to mind from history. And then I guess mo- modern day, it's probably Tevez, Rooney, Ronaldo. Mm. But it's a re- I-, I think it's a really good, ar- ar- a really good debate, you know, comparing those two trios from the modern era. So would you have Tevez, Rooney, Ronaldo, or Salamane and Firmino? I, I think, I think it's, there's an article in there, Tim. I hope my editor's not listening. Maybe so not for you. Maybe not for you. We'll, we'll get you off. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you off the book. Sounds like sounds like a good one for the Liverpool and Manchester United writers to yeah. debate there. Yeah, if anyone knows what they're talking about, yeah, they can uh, write that. But it's a good, it's a good one, isn't it? I think it's, I think they're pretty hard to separate. Yeah, I think that would make a really interesting article in fairness, Tim. Even if you don't do it, you should you should probably suggest it. I was going to say there's a great piece. Well, I'll say there's a great piece. I haven't read it yet, but I'm planning to read it about people talking about. For me, I love those pieces on the Athletic where you get loads of various people to to talk oh, about yeah, it's the good. play. Yeah, but it's good. Your dentist's in there apparently. I haven't, <laughs> yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading that later later on today. For me, those next club, Steve, if you if you've got that for us, Barcelona, even money, Inter Milan three, Napoli at six, uh, Real Madrid at seven, Roma at eight. There no Bayern. Is that where he's going? I don't know. That's where my that's where they need a strike. They need a forward player. He's available on a free. It feels a very buy. He's played in Bundesliga before. It feels a very Bayern signing to me. Okay, I'm just cutting this sixteen to one on Bayern. George Manchester United away at Bournemouth. They've won once in six away games since the seven nil defeat at Anfield. Could a Bournemouth side without any pressure perhaps cause more of a threat than perceived? Yeah, possibly. Uh, United's form on the road been very poor. You can add the the three 0 defeat at Sevilla into that um, into that too. Uh, drawing two all at, at Spurs and beating Forest isn't really the best form. Getting beaten by West Ham and Brighton in their last two away games. So, yeah, that there's little in United's play at the moment. I think to justify their what are they two on Steve to to win this one, which seems pretty short. Um, having said that, Bournemouth with very little to play for now, and I don't think we could begrudge them if they would rather be just down the road and the, on the beach at Bournemouth rather than um, playing against a United side who still you know, really need this in order to, to to keep Liverpool at bay. So, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't be backing United at 2-1, at but if there's a good time to go to Bournemouth, then this might be it. Well, Steve, on the subject of Manchester United, regardless of what's said, they're going to have some focus on the FA Cup final because... Basically, they'll want to stop. I mean, they'll want to win it anyway, but they'll want to stop City doing that treble more than anything. What's the current price of them winning that FA Cup? Yeah, definitely, Dan. They will 100% be all out to stop them winning that. That's absolutely guaranteed. But maybe the run of games that they've had in this competition, maybe their name's on the trophy because they were they were 14-1 to 1 to win the FA Cup before the draw was made. Then they had Everton at home in the third round. And if you remember, they had that run of games in the uh, EFL Cup when they had Villa, Burnley, Charles all at home. They seemed to play... Every- about 20 games on the bounce at Old Trafford 
And then they had Reading at home, West Ham at home, Fulham at home, where Mitrovic went absolutely uh, crazy. And then William had the, you know, the red card, of course, and then it looked like they were going to lose the game. But 11-4 to four they are, Manchester United, to lift the trophy in a two-horse race. And back in the day, 11-4 to four about Manchester United in a two-horse race, you're thinking, wow, they've obviously got that wrong. It's incorrect. But no, they are massive outsiders to lift the FA Cup, but they'll be definitely gunning for it. Yeah, they'll be desperate to, to stop City. So those are our featured games, with this being how your weekend looks in full. It begins with Tottenham v Brentford at 12.30 on Saturday, followed by four 3pm kickoffs: Bournemouth v Manchester United, Fulham v Palace, Liverpool v Villa and Wolves take on Everton. The tea time game at 5.30 sees Arsenal head to Nottingham Forest. And then on Sunday at 1.30, Leeds travel to West Ham. And then at 2, it's Brighton Southampton, whilst 4 o'clock has Manchester City, who can win the Premier League title at home to Chelsea. Perennial Monday night footballers Leicester make the trip to Newcastle. Steve will finish as ever with the six scores challenge. And I tell you what, we got off to a flyer last week, but somebody forgot to put put it on. Um, can you imagine if the producer forgot <laughs> to put it on? I mean, all the yeah, Honestly. it's inc- incredible. Uh, joking aside, there were there were thirteen people last week that got five out of six. So they they had a, a thousand pound each for a, for the free to play game. Very close to winning, uh, getting all six correct. So let's see how we go this week, Dan. I'm going to start with you, producer I'm guy. On run, I'm on a good run, Steve. Two yeah. for two last week. Yeah, jot. Yeah, it was all for no good though, was it? Jot this it down, producer. No right, Bournemouth versus Manchester United, Daniel. Uh, 2-1 to Manchester United. Actually, 2-0 to Manchester United, I'll change it. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. That's the right answer, 2-0. Okay. Liverpool versus Aston Villa. 2-1 to Liverpool. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Timothy. Timothy, Wolves versus Everton. I feel like we're, be, we're we're really trying hard this week, so you, sh- you shouldn't be giving me you shouldn't be giving me. <laughs> yeah, I don't like getting Villa not... either, but I, pretty, I do yeah. think they'll lose. Unfortunately, yeah. come on, Tim. I can I, I could just feel how seriously Dan was taking that when he was thinking over his his numbers. Uh, okay, okay. What will happen? Uh, what what happen? It's an amazing question to ask yourself. What will happen? <laughs> no, because normally I'd just say a Wolves win, but I've actually got to think about this because we're taking it seriously. So, uh, okay, we'll say one all. Okay. Forest against Arsenal? Uh, that'll be a good one. That'll be 2 2. Okay. Uh, Georgie Boy, West Ham versus Leeds? Um, nil 2. Ooh, okay. And Manchester City, Chelsea? 3 0. 3 0, Manchester City. Okay. Producer, jot those down. Get them on. Right then. That does us. That is it from us here at the Weekend Preview. The Athletic Football Podcast will, of course, be back on Monday following all the weekend's action. But until then, enjoy your weekend, enjoy all the football, and thanks very much for listening. The Athletic.